Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, and thank you for tuning in to Relationship Wednesdays. I'm Dr. Nefertiti Noel. And I'm Darren Noel. And we are here tonight with our weekly, um, excuse me, our weekly episode on relationships. So if you guys remember, three weeks back, and I know you do because we got a lot of positive feedback about um, this particular topic, we talked about intentional parenting. And we interviewed Jennifer Jones, who is the author of Parenting is Not Just Black and White. At the end of that show, we had like, quite a few questions that we hadn't answered, and we had um, a lot of people asking us, could we hear um, Tony's perspective, which is Jennifer's husband, wanting to know the differences between mother's positions and father's positions in intentional parenting. Right. So we're very glad to have Tony and Jennifer Jones back on the line. And Tony and Jennifer have been married for over 20 years. They have two college-age daughters, age 17 and 19. They're business owners, and they have a brand-new book scheduled to come out in January 2014 called Raising Kids is Not Just Black and White. Again, Raising Kids is Not Just Black and White. It's going to hit the bookshelves in January 2014. But if you want to get some information about what the topics to talk about, go ahead to to Facebook, facebook.com, backslash Raising Kids Right. Go to facebook.com, backslash Raising Kids Right. You get some great information about the book. Absolutely. Okay? So, uh, Jennifer, I want to welcome you back to the show. Tony, welcome to the show. Thank Absolutely. You. Thanks for having us. Absolutely. So, guys, I have a couple questions. Jennifer, if you could take a couple minutes. We have a lot of people that want to hear about discipline. But before we get to discipline, if you guys could define, again, intentional parenting and what that means just for people that are tuning in this week that didn't hear us a few weeks ago. Oh, absolutely. Um, When we talk about intentional parenting, we're talking about parenting with a purpose, Um, knowing what the end result is that you want from your children, knowing what values, um, what standards, um, what characteristics you want in your child as the end result, and focusing your parenting um, on those values because you can't be everything to everybody, including your children. So focusing and realizing what the most important aspects of your child or a characteristic or a value is, um, it allows you to focus your attention and your parenting on those values. And that's what intentional parenting is. You're intending to parent them to become something that, uh, that's respectable on the outcome. Good, very good. I have a question for both of you guys. When, when you were doing the intentional parenting, which I'm assuming you're still doing because um, one of the questions that people are asking is, when do you stop doing intentional parenting? And I'm assuming you don't, but can you all answer that? Is there a time where you all feel like you won't have to do this anymore? Well, we'll always be a guide in our children's lives, simply because we've, um, we've always been there and we know who they are. So if we ever see them going off track where they've forgotten who they are or anything like that, we'll always be a guide. But eventually it, it shifts roles, and, yes, we're definitely still – intentionally parenting, even at this age, because um, they're, they're just getting out in the world and they're actually applying all those things that uh, we've instilled in them, you know. So we're there more as a guide now, but still absolutely definitely a parent. Okay. Correct. Okay. Because yeah. right now with, with where they are now and being in college, I think we're, we're doing it more so now. Uh, just just watching them grow and watching them do the things, and it makes you proud to watch them and see you know how they've grown up and see the things that we we've, we've instilled in them that they truly do work. Uh, so right now we're just we're basically just a, like, almost on the sideline just watching them, in essence you know. But we're always going to be their parents you know. Hopefully down the road we can switch to being you know more the friend first and not the parent first. 
but right now we're always, you know, at this point we're always going to be the parent first. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Because like you mentioned, college is a crucial role in time in people's lives. They're kind of not fully out of the nest. They're kind of, you know, dipping the toe in the pool, trying, moving toward adulthood, but they still have to coming home and, you know, still have the protection of the house, but they're trying out adulthood. Right? So exactly. Exactly. Have, have, exactly. Have you guys found that with your girls in college, that college is trying to pull them away from? I hear a lot of parents telling me that college is liberal and tries to pull the kids away from the things that they you know, try to instill in their, their children. Do you all see, though, that in your girls that, that college may be trying to pull them away from what you taught them? No. Um, actually, it's been kind of exciting because um, we've been able to see all those things that we put in them come to fruition. You know, because it's one thing when they're under the close watch of your home and you're the one who's protecting the boundaries. It's something completely different when they're out in the world and they have to protect their own boundaries and um, have their own standards away from us. And so it's really exciting for us to see, okay, we disciplined them in a way that they comprehended and took personal responsibility for um, themselves, and now they're out there and they're actually living the life that, 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 that's pleasing to us and to them. And, um, you know, they, there's always going to be other influences. Um, we never shielded our kids from what the real world was going to be like. Um, we showed them in lots of ways, whether it was a, a TV show or we talked to them or we saw situations. We've always been real with our kids and let them know, okay, these are very real situations out there. How would you handle it? And here in some ways, we've always felt the best way for a kid to go into something that's maybe a little unknown, like the real world, is to, to have tools already in the tool belt and ways to, um, to handle every situation. So if anything else, they, they at least knew, um, you know, one thing they could say if they were pressured in this direction and, or one thing they could say or do to get out of this um, situation, you know. So they, that way they weren't going in blind. They knew what to expect, and uh, they, they felt confident. Right. Okay. Well, to, to, add to, that, to add to that, you know, it's, it's good to see, uh, you know, we put so much in the kids that are growing up. So when they're in those situations out there at college and being, like you said, like you said, you know, it's a very liberal, liberal uh, environment. You know, everything goes, and it's and the kids are not shocked by it. And they talk to us a lot and tell us, "Hey, Dad, or Mom, this is what happened, and, and this is what I did." And it's so, it's just so, it's such a good feeling to sit back and just literally watch them grow. You know, so so far since they've been in school for Destiny's in her second year and Jazzy's in her first year. We really haven't had to do a whole lot of tweaking. It's just mainly watching and saying a couple things here and there if we hear something or whatever. But, you know, and it's not to say that our kids are perfect, but we've instilled values in them and just to see what they're doing right now, they're just on point with it all right now. Very That's good. Great. Very That's good. Great. So let's jump into discipline. I wanted to talk a little bit or have you all talk a little bit about discipline how you gave it, when you were able to give it, or how you knew that your girls needed to be disciplined? Well, uh, there was different situations for different ages. You know, there's not one thing that you use all the time. We've always had, um, like, multiple options. And we looked at it as graduated or evolving discipline. When a kid is young, very young, they don't always under you can't reason with them. They don't have the ability to comprehend and reason and understand the the 
results of their actions or things like that. So that's when we usually did a lot more of the reactive discipline where, you know, when they did something wrong, we had to, you know, redirect them or time out or spank or things like that because they didn't understand reasoning. We couldn't sit there and explain to them things. And they just couldn't comprehend it. And, you know, so, like, if I smacked their hand because, you know, they touched the stove that was hot, to me that sting of smacking their hand was far less than if they'd actually burned their hand on the stove. You know, but just to tell them the stove's hot, they wouldn't understand that. Um, and then as they get older and they start um, comprehending things, they start understanding, um, then it's more of a proactive type of discipline. Um, we never completely eliminated reactive discipline, but it's more of a proactive discipline where we'd tell them ahead of time, you know, um, we'd see some situation happening, whether it's a kid acting up at the grocery store, and we'd ask them to notice the situation. We'd be like, look at how the people are reacting around them. Look at the parent. Look at them, the kid themselves. Does anybody look happy about the situation, you know? And just taught them to, you know, be aware of what's going on around them. And then with lectures or, or with a movie or stories or um, just in talking to them, situations that would come up with their friends and things like that, it was about um, telling them and guiding them without having to make it um, a, a just about their bad behavior. It, a lot of times uh, our discipline was about um, stopping it before it even got to that point where we had to discipline them, letting them know that the repercussions of their actions long before they ever were put in a situation, you know. And, and that way they were educated. That way we knew 100%. If they chose to go against us or um, do something wrong, we knew 100% that they were making a conscious choice, and so they had to accept the responsibility of that choice, you know. But the thing is, is we laughed a lot. Um, yes, we disciplined, but we laughed a lot, and we never left it with just disciplining. Um, we never wanted our kids to, first of all, never um, wanted them to think, why was it being disciplined? We always explained everything. And we never wanted them to think that they were bad. It was the behavior that was bad, and so we always reinforced in our kids after disciplining them that we loved them, that we always loved them, and what was special about them, why they were good people. And we spent more time on building them up, why they were good, so that when um, they did get disciplined, it wasn't, it wasn't something that was so horrible um, that, uh, that, you know, they, they thought that they were bad people, you know. It, it's just a measured thing. So does your book talk about building the kid up? Because I think a lot of people focus so hard on the negative part of the discipline that I don't know if a lot of parents are actually explaining to their kids or their children why they're being disciplined and what the core value is there. Because I'm getting a sense from you that you talk to, you talk to your children about core values and how a particular behavior will maybe be different than the core value that you plan for them. Absolutely. We always did. Um, first of all, that made it clear what the rule was. Uh, we always tied in. A, okay, for example, say um, say they, they, they were mouthy, you know, and that would tie into what we talk about, about respect and how you have to respect us as parents and you have to respect yourself as uh, someone of value. And those around you need to be respectful to you and you need to be respectful to other people around you. So your words have weight. So you being disrespectful or mouthiness or um, anything of that nature to us is going against what, what our core value is as a family. Um, and that's why I always felt like I wanted to educate them beyond just disciplining them because I didn't want them scared of us 
and so they only behave because they're out of fear. I wanted them to behave out of a desire to do what is right, out of an understanding of what their actions what their actions did, you know, and the effect that they had on on them and on their future and on the people around them. Good, good, good quote, good, good idea. Tony, question for you: uh, As a father, was your role in discipline different than uh, than Jennifer's? Well, I, I don't know if it was different. We just worked on our strengths. We we went with our strengths. Jennifer was more uh, emotional, so she can handle the girls because we have girls, of course. So. She was handling their emotional needs, and, you know, the, when they were younger, she was the one, you know, kissing their boo-boo and all that stuff. And I was the one just doing, you know, instilling the values and the core, uh, core beliefs and things like that. But we really didn't have any, um, I would say, any separate roles. We, did, we, were, we were together so much, and we talked so much to each other about the kids all day. And, we, you know, so we both did, this, we both had the, same, we did the same thing, in other words. Uh, it just depends on who the kids were uh, leaning to. You know, at the time, like when they were younger, of course, like I said, they ran to mom a lot, and so mom was more of the disciplinary there. But as they got older, they were seeking my approval, or, you know, I was there to give them the the high fives, the, you know, good jobs, the, you know, instilling in them more confidence in themselves. So, you know, we we just basically, I guess we we could say we switch roles as it goes. It doesn't matter, really. We both are doing the same thing. We have the same goals. You know what I mean? Yes. But okay, but you but you did see that role somewhat change as the girls got older. Right, right, okay. correct, correct. Like right now, when the girls call, they'll call mom to tell mom some things that they want to be close to her. You know that the the you know the girls talk, but you know they'll call me and they'll call me, they'll call me to get the like I said high fives to get me to you know because they they they'll say well I got an A in this class and I'm like hey great job you're a winner good job you're awesome you're awesome you know that kind of stuff you know. Okay, okay. So either one of you all, were your parents intentional parents? Do you feel like you were raised in the same way that you raised your girl? No. No, not, no. not at all. <laughs> it, it, doesn't t- it doesn't take anything from our parents. We both have great parents, great families. Our families are great. We spent a lot of time with each one of them. But we did see some, some things that, that we didn't like the way we turned out, uh, not because of anything. They probably just didn't know. The parents just didn't know you know, how to guide children. So when, before we had kids, we talked about it, what we wanted, you know, what type of kids we wanted, you know, how we want them to interact with society. So, you know, we read a lot of books. We did a lot of things. We did a lot of research. So it was a lot of trial and error. But, you know, go back to your question, no, our families were a little bit different, but they're special in their own way. Mm-hmm. And just okay. to add to that is um, we've discussed things all the time. We we just are the type that we communicate all the time, every day. And so as um our knowledge expanded, we read, I read a book, he read a book or or we talked to certain people and stuff. We always discuss things with each other. So that's why we say a lot of times that maybe it didn't seem like just one person was taking on one role and one person was taking on the other role because we talk so much and we're just united in what we wanted to accomplish that a lot of times we didn't even have to um, do one one person one role, one person the other role, because we knew how the other person was going to react anyhow. And oh, yeah. so we just backed each other up and, you know, went from there. Exactly. So exactly. one of the values that you all had as parents were you were on the same page about what should be going on for your girl. Absolutely. Absolutely correct. So we didn't always agree on the discipline maybe of a particular situation, 
but we always agreed on the purpose, um, what we were intending to, uh, to have, the end result, and the core values, things like that. So sometimes we would, um, behind closed doors, after a discipline, never in front of our children, but behind closed doors, sometimes we'd be like, okay, you know, let's, let's discuss this because I don't think um, the discipline matched, you know, what, whatever the situation was. I mean, so that, there's times like that that we, we didn't agree at all. But the, we talked all the time, even before situations happened, we talk about um, what we saw in the future, things that we saw um, coming up at each uh, stage of their lives, so that we both knew kind of what to expect from each other. Okay. So, oh, go ahead, Darren. So I had a question for you guys. Who, in general, who was seen to be the, the stricter of the parents when it came to discipline? When they were younger, it was me. It was mom to be in the beginning. <laughs> yes, and dad was the fun one. As soon as he sat down, they were climbing on top of him. Um, and then as they got older, um, it was dad because um, they wanted to, they wanted their dad's approval, and so they worked hard for his approval. And so when he said something, it had more weight and um, on them emotionally even, you know. And so, so as I got older, I think he was considered the stricter disciplinarian because if Dad had to step in at that point, it was like, wow, <laughs> I'm scared. <laughs> and to add to that is, you know, now that the roles have changed, especially going through high school, you know, I was more stricter. And, you know, with, with the beautiful girls, you have guys on the scene now, you know. Uh, right, and right. so, of course, I was the I was the watchdog on the porch, you know, very strict with my girls. So they'll say I'm the strictest one now. Gotcha. But when they literally see those little cute faces, it's a little bit difficult, I'm sure, Dad, isn't it? Yeah, oh, oh my goodness. Oh, <laughs> breaks my heart. <laughs> <laughs> well, all you out there, Darren is only laughing because my daughter has him wrapped around her finger. And I tell her things like, go to bed, go to bed now. As cute as you are, it's bedtime anyway. And I'll hear yep. Daddy and her in there laughing. And I'm like, what are y'all laughing about? It's time to go to bed. <laughs> so, so, Jennifer, can I ask another question? Because you brought up a very important point. You said that sometimes you all would disagree about maybe the discipline or the level of discipline that should have been given. How did you all navigate it? How do you navigate or how does a parent navigate? Let's say they over-discipline or they make a mistake. How did you all deal with that okay so say say I over disciplined and then later Tony and I were discussing it and we're like you know what you're absolutely right it didn't it didn't match it you know maybe I just uh, went too far with it or you know I uh, you know a month of grounding doesn't doesn't warrant it or you know whatever the case is um, we came to the agreement okay this is what we think a, a fair one would be and then if I was the one who disciplined I would go into the room with my daughter, say say it was my oldest daughter, I'd go into Destiny's room and I'd be like, Destiny, you know, we need to talk, you know, this doesn't change what you did, what you did was wrong and you need to take personal responsibility for that, but hey, I was wrong too and I need to take personal responsibility for that. I think I overdid the um, discipline on this, you know, you still need to uh, pay for it, but I think, you know, a more reasonable thing would be this, and don't you agree? You know, or, you know, and see, I've always left it open for my kids to discuss things after the fact. Not in the heat of the moment because then, you know, a lot of times they scream and yell and, and you know, things like that. So it never in the heat of the moment. But later I'll, I'll ask them, you know, about the situation. Why do you think you did this? You know, you know, 
what was the purpose of doing this, you know, things like that, so I can get an understanding of where they're coming from, because I never want to just be oblivious or bowl over their emotions or anything like that. I've been very aware of it, but it's got to be at the right time and at the right place. So that's usually how we handled it. We we had no problem telling our kids, sorry, we we were wrong, we're sorry, but, you know, you still have to pay for what you what you did. It's just maybe not what we thought we initially said. How did they receive that when you, if you came back to them in that scenario, Jennifer, and came back to them and said, you know what, they got overreacted. Instead of two weeks, they were only do it for one week or whatever the case may be. How they how they receive that? Um, they they love that. Um, they would receive me well because I waited for them to kind of let their emotions die down a little bit, you know, let the heat off the situation, and I slowly would work my way. I wouldn't go in there and just be like, okay, this is it. No, I'd be like, okay, how you feeling? You know, kind of work it a little bit, just relax them a little bit. Um, and then and then as I see them opening up, because they, they'll usually open it up afterwards. If they feel like their voice matters and what they have to say matters, they usually will open up to you. And so I always, that was a routine. Every time they got disciplined, they gave them that break time, the time to relax, and then we always went in there and just, okay, what's going on? Why was this? You know, now's your time to talk. Now's your time to kind of explain or now's your time just to, you know, let's let's go back to loving each other. And we never ended it in a, um, bad with that. We, they always were accepting of us after that. You know, we, we hugged it out. Um, and, you know, it's, it ended well. We weren't – it wasn't a five-week fight, you know. It was that one particular fight. Yes, we did a disagreement. Yes, you did something wrong. Yes, this is the repercussions of it. And, you know, we can move on from there, you know. We don't hate you as a person. We're not going to sit there and not talk to you. You know, it's it, that's petty. Right, mm-hmm. right. I still love you, but what you did was wrong, but I still love you, still a good person, but that individual action you took was, was a, a improper action. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yep. But now. Jennifer, there is a comment that you made on your website. It says, if it isn't cute at 16 years of age, then it isn't cute now. What, at what yeah, age did you I'm... start to discipline your girl? You know what? That's one of my favorite quotes because just like you said, um, Tony and the girls, the girls had Tony wrapped around his finger, uh, around their finger. I mean, uh, so, you know, they're cute and adorable and it's your babies and, you know, so really it was, that came from me wanting to see other, like I saw other kids who, they would swear and the parent would think it was cute and funny. And I'm just like, that's not cute and that's not funny because, as that um, defiance grows, as they grow, and they're 16 and defiant and cursing, that's ridiculous, you know? And so I always understood if small correction along the way was so much easier than having to, at, um, at, you know, 16 years of age try to correct it, you know? So that's kind of just was something that came into my head when they were probably four, three, four, five, right around that age, you know, maybe even a little younger than that. And uh, so it just kind of kept me focused. It was my little saying that I always said that kept me focused on what our purpose was. So no matter how cute that little face was, you know, when it was on a 16-year-old girl, it might not be cute. (laughs) That really takes intentional parenting. I mean, really to focus on that because you you really can't sometimes, someone might not be able to think long-term and say, hey, this little three-year-old or five-year-old is doing this, but like you said, when they grow up at 16 or 17, this is going to be unacceptable behavior. But you've got to really be focused and thinking about that and not just focus on a cute little face and whatever they're doing. Yeah, I exactly. Can tell you, exactly. Out of, out of 1,000 patients, I would say 950 of my patients didn't get good parenting. 
I would say that mm-hmm. most of the mistakes, yeah, most of the mistakes they're making is because they either didn't heed their parents or their parents were consistent. And one of the things I, I'm so excited about Jennifer's book is she talks about consistency. Mm-hmm. Yes. How, you know, you just can't tell your kid one time not to do something. I mean, I have to tell you, when my our daughter was little, she she was um, the doctor said that she was colicky. Well, Darren and I, she would be crying and screaming. And we thought maybe she's being attacked by demons. I mean, something must be really going on. And you know, we're playing on her hands. My mother came out and said, you know. My mom said she has indigestion. Every day you probably need to give her a little drop of this oil. She gave us something to put in her throat, and it really made her feel better, but I had to do it every day. Mm-hmm. And yeah, because right. I did it every day, the doctor said, oh, she'll have asthma, she'll have this. And I said, no, she won't because I'm deciding for her that she won't have that. Amen. So she did it because we were consistent, and I believe that. Exactly. Tony's and Jennifer's girls are doing well because they daily, I mean, that's really important to daily put the positive thinking into your children's brain and, and reverb for them uh, what they need to be saying to themselves to be positive. Exactly. It, you know, it, it goes to the same, the old saying is, you know, when you, you say, oh, this is going to hurt me as much as it's going to hurt you when they're disciplined, you know. And that's true because you have to, have a strong stomach to, to to discipline children, to raise children intentionally, because it's not going to be easy. There's been times where my little girls and I had to discipline them, and I, you know, I had to go outside for a walk afterwards because it hurt me so much. But, you know, some parents right. don't want to do that. Some parents want to just be their friend, and, you know, because it's easier to just be their friend. No. Right. It's tough. It's an easy reply, but not long term. It's going to be, be a nightmare on the end, or it could be. Yes. So yeah, when you look exactly. at, at the news with children bringing guns to school and bullying one another and people being hurt, um, again, a lot of that is because parents aren't stepping in and teaching their children how to defend themselves without, like, physical violence, how to build their ego and not exactly. be so worried about, you know, what the, the 8-year-old next to them who doesn't know anything either is talking about. So how did you guys handle bully behavior? Oh, you know, I think a lot of bullying um, comes from kids who don't know who they are, you know, and that's what we always talk about. We've always trained kids. Um, one of the mantras we have in our house is remember who you are. So if your kid never knows who they are, um, it's easy for them to, to be devastated by bullying or another kid telling them something bad about themselves or anything like that or even losing at something, you know. They can't handle it because they, they don't even know who they are. And so it sways them one way or another, you know. So I do think that um, the ability to handle bullying has a lot to do with being confident in who they are. Good. Exactly. Well, on that same note, we have, a, you know, a situation happened here recently with uh, one of our daughters, and it was, it was kind of cool that, uh, you know, she was, it wasn't bullying at that stage in college, but it was someone just kept, you know, getting on her nerves, camp, you know, saying things, spreading little rumors. And so I'm on the phone with my daughter the other night, and I'm walking through the grocery store, and, uh, it was, and it, I said to her, she was, she was telling me the story, and I said, I said, wait a minute. I said, who are you? She says, I, I'm Jones. She's, right. I'm Destiny Jones. And I said, you're right, you're Destiny Jones. And I said, what does that mean? So I'm walking through the store, and I'm just talking as loud as I can through the store, and we end up, she's screaming on the phone, I'm screaming on the phone. She's, I'm Destiny Jones, I'm Destiny Jones, nothing bothers you, I'm awesome, I'm awesome. That doesn't affect me. She says, Daddy, I love you, and thanks for the convo. And she hung up on me and kept going. Mm-hmm. Awesome. This guy needs to take I a little pitch cool. 
That's that, that, that yep. you know, pet stop, get back to dad, you know, then get right back in the fight. Exactly, exactly. For all the guys out there listening, I want you to hear how involved Tommy is saying he was with his daughters even today. Mm -hmm. That they can call him in a store and he's not ashamed to scream out, who are you? Mm -hmm. Which I'm sure onlookers were like, who's this dude, like, yelling at the store? (laughs) Yes, he's teaching his daughter that no matter the circumstance, you can count on me to help you reclaim yourself. Exactly. Um, and I think right it's a, a really big thing. I'm sorry, yeah. you guys were going saying something? No, I was, I was going to say exactly. You know, um, and it, it brings to mind a, another story of something that happened recently. I had a good friend of mine who's known my kids my whole life, uh, their whole lives, who came to me for advice. You know, um, on the situation that she's having with with her child and stuff like that. And it was really interesting because um, she told me the whole situation, and I told her, gave her some insight and some thoughts about what I had about it and some things that she could try and stuff like this. And she's like, well, you, you wouldn't understand because your kids have always been good. You know, like somehow they just came out that way, you know. And I'm like, what are you talking about? This, this stuff does not happen. This is a consistency, everyday kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And it, it was more of it was it was started off as a, Jennifer was a little upset by it, but then it turned into a compliment because it's great to have someone look at your child just what we wanted them to do, see our kids as good kids in society. But even though she didn't see all the blood, sweat, and tears, and sometimes the screaming matches that was going on behind closed doors, the end product was that the, that she saw our kids as being really good, and I thought that was that was really cool. Absolutely, that is awesome. That is definitely awesome. So before we wrap up, we got about about half a minute left here. I wanted to re- reiterate: this is a, a book by Jennifer Jones. The title of the book is "Raising Kids Is Not Black and White." It's not it's, just black and white. Yeah, "Raising Kids Is Not Just Black and White." It's hitting bookshelves January 2014. If you want to get some information for it now, go ahead to www.facebook.com/backslash/raisingkidsright. Facebook uh, backslash raising kids right to get some information on that book right, right now. Absolutely. Thank you guys so much for your input. We appreciate uh, the time that you've given us today and our, our listening audience. And I really, I can't tell parents enough that the, the, one of the key points that Tony and Jennifer said is they weren't raised this way, but they figured out how to do it for their kids. So get this book in January. Like, get on the waiting list. Email them to know how to get copies because you want to change your children's lives positively. Have a great night, everybody. Talk Thank to you, you next folks. week. Bye-bye. Thank, Thank you. Thank you so much. Bye, guys.